Good morning, Glenn Meadows, Jim Booth, discipleship pastor here with our senior pastor, Mac Roller. As we uh, jump into a really uh, exciting topic, especially uh, for you and I. But it may be good evening. We don't know when they're listening. Oh, or good day. Good day. Good day. Okay. Got that clear. Or is it buenos? Buenos noches. Buenos noches. Buenos dias. Buenos dias or buenos tardes. It could be. Yeah, but it's bueno. It's bueno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, man, we're going to be jumping into uh, a discussion on cross-cultural um, short-term missions and how the gospel comes into those communities through churches that uh, have that desire to go share the gospel with other Amen. areas of the world. Amen. You know, the very fact that we're talking about Jesus and we worship Jesus is because somebody crossed a culture to meet us and to bring the gospel to us so that we could hear it, we could receive it. And all of us, all of us are foreign to the culture that Jesus was raised in. And so the disciples were trained in a way that they could cross culturally. In fact, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have to go far because uh, they would go, you know, from Galilee to Jerusalem. That was a major cultural change. Um, they had different accents. They had a different slang. They, they could tell the disciples lived 35 miles north because they were so different. And so, yeah, they, they were cross-cultural experts. <laughs> That's perspective, right? Yeah. We're thinking 35 miles is a, <laughs> yeah. is a long trip to go to Cooper's. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, we just recently got back from uh, a trip to Peru. Yeah. And I think that was kind of the eye-opener of uh, we've been on a lot of trips together, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of trips. How many countries have you been to? I, I, I can't count. Um, Africa? Yeah. You were born in Africa. No. Oh, I just look like it. Yeah, <laughs> you sweat a lot. I sweat a lot. <laughs> you, uh, um, but you spent your childhood several years. Uh, yeah, I spent some time there. Almost died of malaria. Almost died of malaria, dysentery. Wow. Yeah, had almost pet died snakes. a couple times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, that—that's where I think God planted the seed. Yeah. In me, I remember when we had to come back home. Uh, my parents uh, typhoid, uh, hepatitis, hmm. um, uh, infections. And, you know, I was beat up. Uh, we had to come back, and I remember uh, begging them. You know, I didn't want to go home. Uh, home being the United, U.S.? I didn't. Didn't want to go home, yeah. And so I've always had that that desire mm. to uh, – I'm fascinated with other cultures. Yes. I'm fascinated with uh, bringing the gospel to other cultures because of the enjoyment of, of, of watching people hear the gospel for the first time, of, uh, of working with them. Mm-hmm. Um, to understand the gospel, mm-hmm. um, short-term trips, long-term trips. I believe uh, that the gospel uh, is eternal, not short or long. Amen. And so uh, how do you quantify that statement with a lot of, uh, you know, in America today, in America specifically, you hear a lot of questions about are short-term trips uh, beneficial? Mm, um, good are question. They, are they detrimental mm. um, to a culture? Mm-hmm. That's why we call this uh, the gospel and uh, meeting uh, cross culture. Yes, is because uh, how 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 do we decide whether or not we go on a short term trip? Right, and and there, there's a great divide. Sure, you, you can mention short short term trips to some people, and their first response is sign me up, and then you can mention it to another group of people, and it's like that's a waste. Yes, and um, so man, I just uh, pastor, where do we sit on that? Well, you know, how do we decide if we're going to go? Uh, a couple of things come up. One is relationships. Ministry flows through relationships. 
And there's been a couple of times where we just felt compelled to look. And that was when we were looking, we were actually challenged through relationships to adopt an unreached people group. And it just seemed reasonable that all the people groups that could be penetrated with the gospel have already. And, and then what's left is the ones that are very, very difficult. The ones that to reach them, it's going to cost a lot. Not, I don't mean just financially. It's just going to cost a lot uh, to be there in a long term. Like we've adopted the Baiku Yao in China, and I uh, got off the phone yesterday with Mock and just talking about how tight the government is. And and several of our missionaries, in fact, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I don't want to mention his name, but he's having to leave. Uh, he's a an IMB personnel who is forced to leave right now, and he's one of many that we know they're having to leave China. So in order to get to the Baiku Yao, the group we've adopted, uh, it's actually dangerous, not so much for us. I mean, we don't, I don't think they're going to hurt us, but the people we go visit, they will hurt them mm. and they will break up their ministries and things like that. So, but back to my point is we purposefully were looking for an uh, an unreached people group challenged by relationships we had. And then as we began to look, God opened up relationships for us that we just felt a kindred spirit and we moved and God opened doors like crazy. But like Peru, it had to do obviously with things that had happened at First Baptist San Angelo a long time ago. And a guy by the name of Larry who went into South America, Peru specifically, and drilling wells. And they basically greased the skids for us. And we went on a trip, met some people, and God just confirmed things that we need to go. So that's where we're at. When we uh, prepare for a mission trip, mm-hmm. what are some of the um, the uh, biblical precedents that we have that help shape uh, how we go into a uh, cross-culture community? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we look for the relationships and is there a kindred spirit? Is there a strategy, whether it's building projects or working with children, feeding children, uh, gospel crusade preaching, whatever, we look for, are we a good fit? I mean, do we have the kinds of people that fit that? Do we have the medical staff to do a medical clinic and things like that? We So we look for fitness. We also pray a lot. Is this a good season for us? Is this... Is this, uh, it's not always convenient. In fact, it's very seldom convenient to go on a mission trip. So we don't always look for convenience, but we look for accessible. Is it accessible to us? Could we actually get this accomplished? Identifying um, uh, who that man of peace is. Yeah. So when we go, when we hit the ground, um, you know, we, one of the strategies is, as Jesus taught us in Luke 10, uh, when he sent out the disciples, you are to look for a man of peace. And that's just a, an incredible principle that Jesus taught the disciples and that it's that once again, the gospel is relational. It's not transactional. It's not just, you know, you accept these three principles. Uh, I'm a sinner. Jesus died for me and I need to receive him. Bam. Now you've done that automatically. We bless you. And now you're going to heaven. It, it's not transactional as much as relational. It is, it is taught, but it's also caught. So looking for the man of peace is it's remarkable. Now, what is a man of peace? Great question. A man of peace is someone for whom God is already working. There's no question to where the peace of God is beginning to already to rest upon him. And all you really are doing is just harvesting what's there. Now, this is, this is an interesting concept. And that is, I, I think that the model in missions and countercultural is finding the man of peace, harvesting, then sowing, not just sowing and then trying to find a harvest. But finding the man of peace where God is already working 
there's a harvest then, and then there is sowing through those relationships, those oikos household relationships. This Explain is that. So let's take what Jesus taught the disciples, and then we look at what they did in the book of Acts. So what they did is uh, there was the miraculous event with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He's a man who prayed at the three o'clock hour. He was praying. He had a vision. So he was a man that had a heart towards God or God was drawing him. God was doing a great work. Then Peter had a vision uh, in Joppa. And then God brings them together. And there's a statement that is made where Peter says, this is for your household. And so what is household? Does it mean, you know, all those who live under your roof? No, that would be your domicile. It's another Greek word. But household really refers to your biological relationships, meaning your family, your geographical, meaning your neighbors, your volitional, meaning your friends, uh, your, your location, you know, where you live. It's like in our, in our life group books, we have those three circles and it's, it's called, it's those realms of influence. It's where you work, who you play with, uh, who you do life with, and also your biological family. And so what happened is Cornelius, it also says this in Acts chapter 10, that he brought in his friends and family and they got saved as well. You see the same thing with the jailer when you have, you know, the apostles that were in jail and then all of a sudden the bar started to shake. The jailhouse rock took place. Amen. Ooh. Elvis, there you go. Well, well, I think that's a good statement. There, there, there you go. And, <laughs> and then he, he's about to run himself through with this knife. And then, and then Peter says, don't do that. And he's, he says, you know, how must I then be saved? And then he talks about your whole household will be saved. And then you see what happens. It, it, it doesn't mean necessarily, it could mean your, your wife and your kids, but household had to do with your whole economy. In fact, that's where we get the, the word economy it comes from oikos. It's, it's all the things in an ecosystem, if you will, that all relates together in relationships, in business, in neighborhood. So here's what it is. Cornelius had friends and influence. Lydia, there's another one, Lydia. Paul's going along. He sees this lady. She's a seller of purple in Thyatira. And next thing you know, he presents she's a person of peace, just like the jailer was a person of peace, just like Cornelius was a person of peace. And then the, and then the gospel starts spreading to all those they had resources or they had relationship with. And then when those relationships were mined, you, you ever you ever watch uh, these old Westerns where they go into these mines and they're digging in these mines and they find what? They gold. Find, they find gold and gold is in a what? A vein. A vein. A vein, right? Or silver. And so they got all this all this rock, and then they find gold, and they follow that vein through. And that actually, that vein leads them to another channel. To the mother load. To the mother load. That's right. <laughs> and so what you do, you find the person of peace, and then you work with their oikos, their, their realm of influence. And when someone gets saved, then they have a whole new oikos. And then one of those people gets saved, and they have another oikos. And so you're, you're evangelizing through that vein. And... <clears throat> It's a good analogy. Jim, we can see that so clearly with what we did in Peru a year ago mm. and how there was a certain group that responded to Oikos evangelism. We didn't call it that, but it was a life group. 
And there was, there was another group who didn't respond to that. They, they just were sowing. All they did was sow. Uh, but the guys who really followed relationship, discipleship, and evangelism, they now have seven life groups. But tell the, uh, that example of Oikos with uh, the last trip we just went on. And uh, we, we asked uh, the uh, pastor, show us your life groups. Yes. So we met them for coffee. And that was some interesting coffee, wasn't it? It, it was. I don't know the name. And the, the name I gave it, it's the it's, it's cat poop coffee. That's yeah, what it is. Thank you say you. it. Yeah. Oh. So it's it's some kind of ringtail cat that they feed them these beans and they eat it and their digestive system works on it. Next thing you know, they it comes out and they harvest it and you drink it. Uh, y- yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> there you go. It was it was really good. A little fruity. <laughs> A little fruity. <laughs> so so we're with these these Peruvian pa- well Venezuelans yeah. pastors that are in Peru now, and we had we had done some training with them, and so we just said, "Tell us about your life groups," and they got all excited, and we said, "Can you show us?" And they took us to see people. Mm. Right. Oikos. Oikos. And actually, the people they took us to see are not even a part of their life group yet. They are, uh, we don't, they don't even know if they're saved, but they have to be, they're actually in, in, in music together. They just, these relationships they are doing an album. They're, they're producing music. And these guys were very talented. They played music for us. So we went to their, their studio. There's an art studio, but they play music. And we went there and we just, and then we invited them to lunch and they're in the middle of our oikos now of our, our household. Cause they're now friends. And we're next, I, next thing, you know, listen, he has us on FaceTime with his mother in Houston. Remember that? Yes. Yes. We're in Chiclaya, and we bonded with these guys. He's like, "I want you to meet my mom," and these are these are grown men with kids, and I want you to meet my mom. Okay, she lives in Houston, far out. Well, I guess I mean it was cool. far out. It was awesome, and so we're having a conversation with his mom in Houston. Dude, we're in. We're family. And I said, hey, come visit us. And she's like, where do you live? And we said, San Angelo. And she's like, that's too far, but we'll pray for you. And anyway, so. His understanding. Yeah. He had an Oikos understanding. We could actually say that those musicians, Danny and John, John, uh, are people of peace because they, they were open. And I guarantee you those guys, they got tons of Oikos. They got tons of friends and family and, and people. And you follow the vein. So if, like, if we were to go back, let's say they were to receive Christ and, they were to be baptized, which is an expression of the Holy Spirit being on them, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, their repentance, and their walking and following Jesus. And and then all of a sudden we say, so who are your friends? Well, come on, let's go meet them. And that is a biblical way, oikos evangelism missions, which leads us to cross-cultural conversation. How do you cross those cultures where they eat food that's really very different. They, they wear things. They, their humor is very different. And it's just you know, a our, lot of minds. I look at it like our role is to cross over into the culture, but not cross the culture. Yes. That's a good point. <laughs> and, yes. You know, when we, when we enter in, um, the scripture says we make our plans and the Lord directs our path. It's coming into a culture. And, um, if we could come into a culture and share the gospel and leave, Yes. And the only change that takes place mm. is gospel change, mm. not American culture change. Mm. Then then I believe that we've effectively accomplished what we were there to do. Yeah. Um, 
So here's a wrong way to do it. Right. He, you and I went to a place a few years ago, and it's a foreign country, foreign language, foreign food. Everything's foreign. But when we step into their church, they do everything exactly like Baptist churches did in 1940. That's right. They did everything. They even played our songs. and They did know the hymnals better than us. They did know the hymnals better than <laughs> us, and they sang them in English. They did. And they ran everything just like we did in 19, let's say 1960. Um, and it was just shocking. And they were, then they were wondering why they weren't reaching their culture is because someone went in there and said, here's how you are to worship Jesus. And they pull out a hymnal and this is how you dress. And they all had the missionary shirts on and they had the same haircuts. And it was, now they were lovely people. Wonderful people. They loved the Jesus. They, they had the gospel, but they obviously were taught this is how you do community. You do it like Americans do because they know Jesus. And it was sad to see. We, we, we were very, you know, we wanted them to sing in their own language. We wanted them to do things in their culture. And so it was a problem. That's how you don't do it. You know, when we, when we go into the cultures, uh, I, I think you're right. It's, it's learning uh, to be driven by the Holy Spirit. We make our plans. The Lord directs our path. We said that earlier. It's it's being good stewards of of our time and resources before we go. Yeah. But when we when we get there, um, if we go there with a set plan and that plan must be fulfilled the way that we see it needed to be fulfilled, we will not have a successful trip because we will be upset uh, because God's plan mm. uh, is always uh, going to be shifting and moving as we go. Yes. And if we're not open to that, I, I think we miss out on the greatest nuggets that are out there to be found. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've ever gone on a trip where it's lined up the way we thought it would. Never. Um, never. You never know how tired you're going to be. You never know, uh, what's, what plans are going to change. Yes. You're on their timing, not our timing. Yes. Um, you know, what, in one of the countries we uh, went to, it was, uh, you're on Philippine time now. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that meant you had a train at ten o'clock. It started at eleven ish. Yes, and yes. Um, and we were okay with that. Yeah, um, we're not there to change their culture. Exactly, we're there to introduce Christ into their culture. And yet, even there, um, we had things come up during the day that we just had to like. The guy comes up and says, "Hey, would you want to speak on the radio?" And yeah. we're like, "We're exhausted. We are tired." But we will be there. And he says, I have air conditioning. And and then we said, can we spend the night there? (laughs) But it was, yeah, we were, there were times where we weren't flexible and it cost us. And that time where he just said, would you come to this Bible study and help us? And we just said, we we cannot take another step. We have to go to bed. You know, that's funny because when you say that. We did not talk about this prior to this podcast, mm-hmm. and that exact example still rings in my head of a thought in my head is there was a time when you had an open door. And we didn't take it. And we didn't take it. Gosh. And as the story turns out, is it happened to be, we found out later, it happened to be a Bible study with the whole police department. And this guy had worked his way in through some problem they were having in the whole country. And he just went to the chief of police and said, I can fix this. And he had the audience of every single police officer there. <clears throat> and we didn't even walk through that door. And we just, but on the other hand, we were exhausted. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- there's another piece. Yeah. Problems, you know, when you look at the trip, it needs to be planned ahead through relationships. You look for the person of peace. You mind the relationships. Uh, you don't 
you don't step on other cultures. And, uh, and another thing as you were getting to is, uh, be careful to not be exhausted. I mean, this last trip we went on, um, learning from prior trips, we don't, we, we, we never said no. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, we did develop a very quick pattern of when we had opportunities for rest. Yeah. We grabbed them. Yeah. Like three o'clock in the afternoon, downtime. Let's get the hammocks out. Exactly. And we were rocking the jungle with snoring. <laughs> That's right, man. You know, it's bad when the Amazonian jungle gets quiet because they're all listening to us. <laughs> like, is that a motorboat? Who's got a motorboat? But, but what happens on a lot of these trips is, is if you if you are, are thinking about joining a short-term trip and stuff, one is don't, don't set unrealistic expectations. Right. Uh, uh, immediately begin preparing your heart with God, I'm going to serve. Yes. And that means I'll serve wherever the serving is needed. Yes. And uh, whether I went to do uh, uh, life groups or door-to-door evangelism or hand out reading glasses or uh, build a building yes. or feed the children, am I willing to adjust my plan to God's? Amen. God's entire plan might be, uh, it, it, well, let me rephrase that, always ends up being slightly or completely different to what you expect when you get down there. Right. In other words, there is always a deviation. Yes. Um, and so when you get there, you, you, you're tired. And, and uh, if you are tired and, and you are holding to your ideals mm-hmm. of what that trip should be like, those two co- combine uh, and become combustible. Yes. And so when you when, when you go on these trips, I think as a team, you begin preparing your hearts. Lord, keep my eyes open. Keep my heart open. Teach me, God, to be fully dependent on your Holy Spirit in every circumstance that we go and wake up every morning and say, today's an adventure, and it's God's adventure, it's his game, Mm. and it's his rules, and we're going to play by those. Amen. And if you prepare your heart in a direction like that for a trip, what you'll find out is the most exciting trips you will have ever been on. That's exactly right. And uh, if you prepare your trip on rigid rules, we have to do this when we're down there. Most frustrating trip you'll ever be on. Amen. Um, that's, uh, you know, that, that that's some of the things that really, really hit me. I, I think also is um, um, money. Yeah. You know, one of the things is not the money to get to a trip. That's not, I won't say the easy part, but that's the, that's the American side. Yeah. Um, you want to go on a trip, trip's going to cost this amount of money. And you know what we do, we fundraise or we, or we, we skimp and save or we make payments or yeah. somebody sponsors us. We know we get, we get on the trip through one venue or another. Right. But once we get there, pastor, I mean, there's a big deal with how we show our wealth, how we spend yeah. our money. Um, can we talk about that for a oh, second? Yeah. Because that's big in every culture we've been to. Sure. If you're taking a, a mission trip to Toronto or Japan, that's not going to be an issue because uh, they'll probably have more money than you do, mm-hmm. literally. But if you go to some of these places of the third world countries and they see you've got uh, tennis shoes and they don't. And, uh, you know, they might ask a question like, how much did those cost? And if you've got some tennis shoes and they or some nice hiking boots because and they cost a hundred bucks, if you were to say a hundred dollars, that would just blow their mind, and that would be almost offensive. That I mean, it's really easy to spend a hundred bucks on hiking boots if you wanted to. Um, and but what's a hundred bucks to them? A hundred bucks to them is is a in many places a month's salary, and. And then they'll see your watch, you know, they'll see, they'll see maybe you've got a wedding ring on and they'll see that. And it's not that they think less of you or they think, 
highly of you. These kinds of things can become problems to where they're just like, I mean, because honestly, they, they, they're just completely unaware of these things. Or if you have a fancy computer or a fancy iPhone and they'll say, how much would that cost? And here's the answer. The answer is, man, we're just going to bring stuff with us. You know, we're, I'll have my phone with me. I can't leave. I can't not bring my phone. And you just say, you know, you could probably pick a phone up in, you know, in a, in the bigger city, you know, for a hundred solaces or, or 600 pesos or whatever it is. And, and, the, and they're very happy to say, Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, and so <clears throat> also, man, your heart is going to be moved. It is. And you're going to see something that's going to break your heart and you're going to want to slip, you know, give somebody a $50 bill or a $20 bill, or maybe even a couple hundred dollars that you brought with you. I want to caution you with that. It, it, I, I think, yeah, you do meet a need for a moment, but you can really uh, hurt things in the future for that individual. Or the individuals you didn't gift. Absolutely, because I guarantee you, even if you say, hey, don't tell anybody. Guaranteed. They're telling everybody. Guaranteed. And then what happens for the next group that comes in and doesn't give them a $100 bill? I'm, it's just really keep... Uh, I'm not going to say don't bring money, but usually there's not a lot of need. There's not a need for a lot of money. You might want money to buy a candy bar here and there, but really just be really wise. And I, you know, we do not really understand the negative sway of, of the power of the dollar that we have. And uh, it, it can really hurt people. Also promising them things. I mean, don't say something like, man, you ought to come visit us in the States they will actually think that you have a way to make that happen and you could bring some great disappointment and they, and here's the, here's the issue with the dollar with, with, you know, come to the States or whatever. It distracts them from the main thing that Jesus is their source and he is their Lord. And, and uh, so that, that's, that's just mission trips in certain places. Not all places are like that, but a lot of the places we go are like that. No, one, one of the things that I've, uh, in the past, I've struggled with, mm -hmm. but uh, w when you go enough, your struggles become full circle, mm -hmm. and it's listen to the man of peace yes. that you have chosen and the Holy Spirit has revealed. Yes. If the Holy Spirit's revealed to you or your church for a short-term trip, a man of peace, or a, let, let, let's say uh, a Christian, he's a contact person, Yeah. Um, then you must believe that you trust them when you're over there. Yes. And some of these guys, like uh, one of our guys now has been over there over 30 years. Mm, yes. Um, he, he actually is more the culture there than he is American. That's true. And um, when they say don't, or they say that wouldn't be a good idea, or it might make no sense to us, but there's the, you have to trust the one leading you. So there are, have been times where we've been told, um, hey, uh, we, we, we don't do this. Right. What do you mean you don't tip? Right. That's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I'm going to tip her anyways. And it's like, wait a minute. So you're going to begin a culture within a culture because of your American culture. Well, uh, is that a bad example? Maybe it is. Yeah. But, but here's the deal. If that's the culture. Yeah. And I've been asked to by the man of peace that's leading us. Yes. Because they don't do that. 
Right. Then the reality is I submit to that. Yes. And um, now, that, again, I, I don't give uh, points to myself for the best example, but there uh, there are so many things. Uh, we, we were pulling in to, to check a bag, and we were going to check a bag to the next flight. And the, the missionary said, don't rip that piece off because of this, that, and this. Yes. It was, it was the tag from the former airport. Exactly. Yeah. And here's why. Right. And it was just listen to them. That's exactly right. You know, don't give the kids candy. Right. Because if you give the kids candy, you're going to have more kids wanting candy, and you're never going to be able to give out enough candy. Exactly right. Like, but I want to give the kids candy. Don't do it. Don't do it. But look at the, the man of peace and say, what can I do? Man, the tipping thing. I've never had him say that you can't do anything. Right, right. Yeah, what can right. I do? What can I do? Man, the tipping is a great example. I've seen Americans, you know, they'll feel sorry for somebody or, or whatever, and the, the missionary already said, don't tip. And they'll, they'll try to slide something on the table, and you're like, man, you're messing things up. You don't get it. Uh, what it means here is not what it means there. It, it, it actually may be a flirtatious type thing or an inappropriate, uh, I don't know what to say, an inappropriate gesture. And, Very true. And you just can't do those kinds of things. Man, we were told uh, in Africa not to give candy to the kids. Yeah. And we didn't listen. Yeah. Right? Dumb white guy. Yeah. I admit it. Um, and so we gave a soda to this little kid who was following us for, I mean, for an hour and it was yeah. hot. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't you do that? Right. Right. Why? I'm sorry, Mr. Missionary, yeah. but you're out of line. This kid is thirsty. Yeah. I'm going to give him something to drink. So I gave him my soda, turned my back and I'm not kidding you. Within 30 seconds, there was 10 guys pouncing on this kid and took his soda and ran off. That's exactly right. And the missionary saying, I told you not to give him something. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. you could have explained it, but but his response is exactly fair. You could have listened. Exactly, yeah. And you could have asked me later, and I would have explained it. And, and it's like, well, you see how it just it made no sense not to let that kid not have a soda. Yeah. I want to give him soda. Yeah. Well, he got walloped. <laughs> well, there's also, you know, there's the culture of tipping and giving candy and things like that. And we're not saying... You don't ever tip because there may be times that it's appropriate or you don't ever give candy. There may be t- like this last trip we gave we gave food away to people and that was very appropriate. But then there's the culture inside the church on the mission field. And that really is a, a jungle to try to navigate through because they have norms and they have different standards. It may be that you don't wear your shoes in church. It may be that you have to wear pants in church. It may be that the women cover their heads in church. It may be it. men sit on one side, women sit on the other side. There's all kinds of little cultural rules that we cannot go in and try to change. That's a great example, uh, the pants thing. And uh, again, uh, most of our examples, guys, are coming from uh, our own mistakes. So just, just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to wear shorts. Um, I, I tend to sweat a little excessively. <laughs> moving on. Okay, moving on. Uh, and so uh, the missionary would, would, would say, hey, you, you need to wear pants uh, to church. Now, here's where I don't understand the culture. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean? They just told me they don't mind. Uh, right. Now you're telling me I have to. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting two mixed stories. So I'm immediately, because I want to wear shorts, going to say the missionary doesn't know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. He knows exactly. And here's what he's saying. They're being polite to me. Mm-hmm. They're being polite to, 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 to the missionary or the short-term church person yes. because they don't want us to be offended. Yes. So they're allowing me to be offensive to them in order for them not to offend me. But right. the truth is the missionary is right. I'm still being an offense. Mm-hmm. And and so it's again coming back to even in our rationalizing, right? 
to do what we want to do in these areas, especially integrating or, or, or coming into a church. Right. It's um, don't change their culture. Yes. You know, let the Holy Spirit work with them in the direction he wants the church to go. Yes. And so, yeah, uh, I, I put my pants on now. I'm glad. That really did not come out right. That, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we wear zipper pants, and so we just zip on. Meaning the legs zip off. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Man, uh, the, another thing is that, you know, uh, leaving money with with some of the people you're ministering to, uh, you might, you got you to gotta be very careful. Uh, for instance, say, hey, Hey, Mr. Missionary, you've come from America. You're now, your family doesn't have barely any food. And then you go to him and say, is it okay if I leave these people a hundred dollars? Just, just be aware that many times uh, the, the missionaries that are on the field are really, really struggling too. And please don't, uh, don't neglect them. In fact, usually we try to leave everything we have there whether it's it's clothes or or at, we just ask them, look, would this be a blessing if we left this? And and usually they're going to decline it. But you say, no, really, tell me the truth. And I go, well, if you're asking the truth, then yes, we need it. And, and that, that comes into are you building a relationship with the man of peace or is he your tour guide? Exactly. If he's your tour guide, uh, don't go. I mean, I, right. it sounds it sounds really rude, but right. but but if you're there to build a relationship with that missionary, then then if you've got enough uh, equity in the bank with him emotionally, you're able to look at him and um, you're able to say, "Look, we're going to bless you." Yes, and because we love you. Yes, and so now we're asking you to do the right thing and allow us to and tell us what you need. Right, and if you have that relationship. Um, I promise you, uh, they're going to they're going to open up. Yes, we we spent uh, we spent a lot of time uh, on these trips where uh, we don't care where we stay. Right, um, and that's another big one. Yeah, um, is you know follow scripture. Yeah, and what does scripture say? If you're if you're with the man of peace, it says right here in Luke ten, it says you stay at their house and you don't go around from house to house. Right. In other words, w- when we're there. Uh, uh, we have a we have a stereotype of short term missions, where we're we're uh, sleeping in the Hilton or the Marriott, right? Five miles out of town, right? And, and five star luxury, when everybody we're ministering to, sure, even the missionaries mm-hmm. are, are are living in the middle of town, right? It it's it's a problem. And look, there there are certain things that some people need. And you need to stay in a place sure. that's different than the bush. You know, if, you know, if my son was to come on a mission trip, you know, Joe Markey's in a wheelchair. Uh, he would probably need, he couldn't stay in the jungle. He couldn't stay on the outskirts of Chiclay. He would need to stay in a hotel because he just would. But, and then other people may have other issues going on. But however, mo- most of the time we choose to stay in the nicer places just because we're just weak. We're just weak. And... You know what? Once in some countries, you got to go to the bathroom in a hole in the ground. And once you, <laughs> once you, once you, once you get used to it, it's no big deal. And in other places, you just go out in the jungle and you just go and then you come back. And, and, uh, it, you know what? I know there's, I, I, there's, there's some that might be listening to go, you know what? If I don't have a hot shower every morning and a blow dryer and a hot meal, I can't go to certain countries. Listen, man your flesh is dominating you. If you have a, if you have a physical reason, if you have, if you have a, even if you have a phobia, I mean, I get that, but if you just don't want to, 
I don't know what to say. Uh, man, it's worth it. You know, if you don't want to, pray for God to help you too. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, uh, uh, I'll promise you this. If you yield to the Holy Spirit and you take the chance to work past your fleshly fear. Yes. You will experience a, 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 a shift and change in your heart that will be the most exciting thing that's ever happened. Right. The the harder the trip, I'm just going to be honest, the harder the trip, the greater the experience. That's true. The, I mean, this last trip we came back from, what, what, I mean, uh, on, on a one to 10, but I'll put it right up there as one of the hardest trips we've been on. Yeah. But, but also, I'll put it right up there as one of the best trips I've been on. I would agree. And um, it was because uh, we were driven by the Holy Spirit because we stayed in the pastor's homes in the jungle. We stayed in the missionaries' homes, not in hotels. And they were bad. I mean, that was great. Uh, the uh, the one thing I do want to say, I, I don't want to be too hard. I know some people that, and in fact, probably maybe in five years from now, I won't be able to I won't be able to sleep in the hammock. I mean, it might be that you it, did a great job, though. Well, thanks. Uh, I, it may be that, uh, you know, if someone said you couldn't wear shoes and you had to walk down the gravel road, I probably wouldn't make it very far. And so there, we do have to make accommodations right. for certain people. I don't want to make anybody feel guilty, but I'm, I'm mainly talking to, you know, the the millennial guy or the millennial girl that, you know, you, you'll jog your three miles and you'll do this, but you can't go without your latte. Come on. You know, you got to come on. You can do it. You're going to love it. Um, and I, I met people. We went on a, a trip two times ago, and uh, you and I were on it. And um, some of the, the people who went on that trip with us, um, I have the highest admiration for mm-hmm. because uh, their age mm-hmm. and um, their tenacity yes. to push forward and serve. Yes. And I, I had the privilege to uh, to uh, listen to a, a missionary from Venezuela. His name was Buck. Yes. I don't even know Buck's yes. last name. Man. We're doing this training, right? Golly. And, um, How, 80 years old? Oh, yeah. Gosh. But but I tell you what, uh, head and, and, and mind? Yes. Um, he's still 30. I mean, remember still, that picture of he off. and his wife on that bench asleep, leaning on each other. Oh, that was a gosh. That was I mean, an awesome that, that's like, that should be blown up. as a black and white, I mean, as a black and white picture. It's beautiful. Man. So, so we're there, we're doing the training and, uh, he, okay. We make our plans. The Lord directs our path. And, uh, it, it just hit me and it was like, give Buck an opportunity yeah. to speak. Yeah. Now remember people had told me Buck has had an impact. Yeah. But I didn't recognize the impact. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, when he got up at 80 plus years old, yeah. tired, mm. um, physically not the best, you could hear a pin drop. Mm. You saw tears in the eyes of the Peruvian and Venezuelan pastors yes. as they were looking at an icon yes. of a man mm-hmm. who knew what it meant to live in a culture among people yes. and to preach Jesus crucified. Uh, that's exactly right. And risen. Yes. And uh, my my eyes watered yeah. with guilt because I was watching him as, as, he, as he spoke and it was like, you dingbat. Yeah. You almost didn't listen to the Holy Spirit. You almost didn't. You almost didn't give him an opportunity 
And it was like, God, thank you. Amen. Because, you know, and so you, you want to talk about, uh, are we age discriminating? No, <laughs> they're my heroes. Yes, that's right. They're my heroes. The ones yes. that have, have lived everything out there for Christ. Amen. And then at 80 plus years old to say, I got enough juice to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I want to be him. Amen. I want to be him. You know, I want to be at 80 years old where people look and say, really, you're, you're coming back? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Going to have me some more capybara. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. Uh, there's so much more to talk about. Um, we're out of time. Yeah. Um, but I do think that uh, as you as you can see, short-term trips and uh, the conversations of them can go on forever. But they don't end. Yeah. So here's here's the takeaway. There's a lot to take away, but here's here's the main takeaway is that we are to be dependent on the Holy Spirit as we look for the man of peace and we mine through the oikoses willing to cross the culture to bring Jesus to them. We need to do that here. But it's it's amazing that when you go over there, wherever that is, where you go over there and you don't have your work schedule, your home schedule, you're able just to focus on just the fullness of the spirit and serving God that when we do come back here, you know how to do it. And so it's interesting that we become more evangelistic here when we go over there. And the reason is because we go through that calisthenic, we go through that regiment and it starts training our soul and training our eyes to have a kingdom mindset right where we are. Amen. And that's, uh, I think the, 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 the only thing that I would even put the cherry on top is set your expectations before you go to serve, 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 serve. That's it. Amen. Thanks for Amen. taking the time to, to hear us. Uh, Pastor Backroller, thank you again for your insight. Buenas noches. And tacos and tardes. Taco Bell. <laughs> God bless. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>